0: Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And our text this morning will be verses 4 to 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 7. Paul writes, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. There ends the reading of God's inerrant word this morning. Let's go through the Lord in prayer before we go through this passage this morning. Our gracious Heavenly Father, again, we pray that you would still our minds and our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would again teach us through your word here this morning. And so I pray that, again, we would put away the distractions of the week and anything that would cause us not to be able to hear, and that you would teach us this morning. Lord, we know that nothing good will come of this unless your Holy Spirit is the one who does the work. And so we pray for that this morning. So again, make us obedient to your word and make us more in the image of your son, I pray in your name. Amen. Well, we've began this section in chapter 12 about spiritual gifts, and this will really take us all the way through chapter 14. And we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit gives to believers. And as we understand the work of the Holy Spirit, we understand that first of all, the Holy Spirit works in us individually. He works in us, and we recognize, and we, we went through this in class, and many of you will remember this. We went through the acronym CRIBS, and we said that the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us, convicts us of sin. John chapter 12, I mean 16, sorry. Four chapters out there. But the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of sin and the need for righteousness that we fall short The Holy Spirit is then that works in our lives. And according to Titus chapter 5, he's the one that washes us. We have regeneration, the washing of the Holy Spirit, which is really the same thing. He regenerates us and makes us new. In other words, this is what's necessary for salvation. This is that first step, as it were, in salvation. If we're going to put order in salvation, we would say regeneration comes first, followed by faith. Now, we know those are instantaneous things that take place, but logically, regeneration comes faith. You must be made new. You need a new nature in order to make a new choice. And then the Holy Spirit, after regenerating, comes in and indwells you, and he becomes that one that stays in you and is with you at all times. And so when we talk about God being near, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Then he baptizes you according to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and he places you in the body of Christ. You now become a member of the church, the universal church, by the Holy Spirit. And then he finally seals you. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, 13. He now puts his seal upon you and he marks you as God's. And so the Holy Spirit is working individually within you. And then he also works collectively in the church. Now, we don't often think of that, but he he also works in the church in a collective sense in the midst of the church. Well, he dwells a whole, the whole church. Ephesians 2 says the church is the habitation of the spirit. So he is moving in his church. Well, what is he doing in the church? Well, to start with, he creates fellowship. He creates fellowship. When we get together, what do we do? We fellowship around who? The Lord Jesus Christ. And so there is fellowship that comes around the Lord Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit works in our heart to bring remembrance of him. When the people in Acts got saved, what did they do? 3,000, they continued what? In the teachings of the apostles and what? Fellowship, right? That's what the Holy, Produ- Holy Spirit produces in the church. He produces worship. He's not only a catalyst for fellowship, but he produces worship in the church. And we come together and we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And then also the, the, the this Holy Spirit now brings unity. Remember, it talks about we have the unity of the Spirit. Unity of the Spirit. Now that we all have the same Spirit, so there's a unity that should come because we are all being sourced and powered by the same Holy Spirit. So how does the Holy Spirit then produce unity in the church? How does it actually happen? It says we have the unity of the Spirit. In fact, we're called to keep it. We're called not to mess it up is actually what we're called to do, right? You've got the unity. Don't mess it up. But how does the Holy Spirit do that? How does he stimulate unity? How does he generate it? He does it by giving everyone a mutual ministry to, to do for everybody else. He gives us spiritual gifts. And so we come together and we, 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 we recreate together, we, we choose to be together, we serve one another, and we start to produce what? Unity. And as we serve one another and as we do these in, in the Holy Spirit, what there's an appreciation for one another that is produced because we, are, we appreciate what is the service that's being done to us and we give thanks to who? To God. And so there is, there is just this unity of the Spirit that comes. And so we are given spiritual gifts. We are given a, a, a spiritual capacity through the Holy Spirit to supernaturally minister to one another. It's a unique thing to believers. It's a unique thing to those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is why Paul is upset when he comes to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and he sees the church misunderstanding what spiritual gifts are. If this, is, if this is the way of building the church, this is the way of bringing unity to the church, and this church obviously doesn't have unity. We just saw that through the Lord's Supper. Paul is a little upset that they're mistaking what spiritual gifts are. And they they have been now, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. In other words, I I don't want you to be ignorant. Uh, You need to know this. And then he tells them, listen, you've been thinking that somehow that these ecstatic experiences are what it's all about. That you get together and that you have, you, you work yourself into a state. And then you think that somehow these experiences are what it means to be spiritual. These are, these gifts are what? From God. But he says, be careful because these gifts are being what? The, the true gifts, spiritual gifts are being counterfeited and you are really doing pagan worship and you are really demonstrating the power of Satan in your midst rather than recognizing what true spiritual gifts are. And so he warns them and he says, here's a test for you. Not the only test that there is, but here's a test so that you know what spiritual gifts truly are. And he says, here's a positive test and a negative test And he says the negative test, no one can say Jesus is accursed who has the, by the spirit of God. In other words, no one can ultimately deny who Jesus Christ is. And only by The power of the Spirit, can you say Jesus is Lord? Which means a true confession of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, here's what we really want to show you. You guys, and you're going to see this later on, are all caught up in, in tongues and wanting to have sign gifts. And he says, guess what? The sign of orthodoxy is not the size of the experience, but rather the content of what's said. Do you know who the Lord Jesus Christ is? Are you denying his humanity? Do you recognize him for who he is? And in essence, he says, I don't care about the show. I don't care about how great things are and how, what experience you felt. If it doesn't match the word of God and it doesn't match orthodoxy and it doesn't matter, the content is more important than the experience. And if your experience is against the content, then it's not from God. Flat out. And in fact, all of these things that you're looking for are what? Pagan religion. They come from pagan religion. They don't come from Christianity. And so be careful. And so after giving this warning about false gifts, Paul now comes and begins to talk about what true gifts look like, where they come from. And as he starts in, he begins to tell us about the source, the true source of spiritual gifts, the unified source that should cause gifts not to be making rifts in the church, not by tearing it apart, but because they're unified yet diverse, there should be unity within the church. And so Paul begins this, and he wants to stress the source of spiritual gifts and he begins it by, by giving us three designations about, the holy, about spiritual gifts. He says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of ministries in the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. And he's stressing here the source of where spiritual gifts come from. Now, he starts here and he says, uh, first of all, he says, now there are a variety of gifts. Now, the word here for gifts is the word charisma, charisma. And the beginning of that word is the word charis, which is the word for grace. You add the ma on the end. And you get really what is the end of grace, which is the gift. So charisma is a grace gift that is given to you. And he says there are, are a variety of gifts. There are these gifts that have been given. They are extended by grace. They are divine enablements to believers to minister. They are given to you by the Holy Spirit. And there's nothing that you can do to earn them. They're not something that that you can just go out and get. It's not you can get more of them. It says that he gives them out. He says there are varieties of gifts. So there are these grace gifts that are given to you, and they are given to you by grace, not something you earn, not something that you can get for yourselves. They are a gift, right? We don't order our gifts on Christmas, do we? Shame on you if you do, (laughs) right? Right? It's supposed to be a gift, what people want to give to you. But he says there's a variety of gifts, a variety. Now, the word variety here has the idea of what is apportioned out, allotment, a distribution, a state of difference in nature of things, variety, uh, distinction. In modern Greek, it's designated the mathematical operation of division. In other words... These gifts have been allotted to you. They've been allotted to you. And actually the word, it, it starts with the, with the preposition dia on this word, which makes, has the idea of it is, it is making a personal choice. In other words, God has allotted these to you by his personal choice. They've been given to you by personal choice of God who places them... According to his will. He's the one who gives them out. It's not determined by people. They're never earned. And so he says, you've been given these grace gifts by the allotment of God. And he says, but the same spirit, but the same spirit. In other words, there is a diversity of gifts They've been allotted different ways by God, by his choice. And it's the same spirit that is enabling all of these gifts and giving you these gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 tells us that the spirit distributes the gifts as he wills. And so Paul says, listen, recognize this. You Corinthians have kind of been walking around as if some of you are special and some of you aren't, as if somehow there was something incumbent in your gifting that was about you. And he says, actually, your gifting is given to you by God, by his allotment, by the Holy Spirit who gives them to you. And so there needs to be a recognition that your gifting is not about you. Now, there's a a growing teaching. You will hear this. Spiritual gifts are really just anything that you give over to God that the Holy Spirit energizes. So any talent, anything that you have is ultimately a spiritual gift. And so as soon as you lay it down at the feet of God and, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then whatever talent or every, anything you have is actually a spiritual gift. Now that boggles my mind. I'm sorry, but it does boggle my mind because here it says who gives the, who gives the gifts? What are they? They're grace gifts given to you by allotment by God himself so how can it be that it is dependent upon you submitting your talents to God so that he can energize them for his glory how can that be it can't be it can't be now this certainly doesn't mean you can't sit on your gift But your gifting isn't dependent on you. (laughs) Spiritual gifts are a gift from God. They are not your talent. Whatever talent that you had before you got saved does not mean that that is a spiritual gift. Now, I want you to think that through. Unbelievers are talented. Right? Well, what's necessary to have a gift of of the Spirit? You have to have the Spirit. Right? You have to have the Spirit. You had talent before you were saved. You didn't have the gifts of the Spirit because you did not have what? The Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts only come as a result of what? Salvation. And if they come to you at salvation, they certainly couldn't be the natural talents that you had before. And I would say this. Often... If, if, if we take Paul at face value, remember he said, not many wise, not many mighty, right? That come into the church. God is not needing talented people. He's needing people who are energized by the Holy Spirit, who have been gifted by him. One writer said, not infrequently, the Holy Spirit takes the one who seems to give the least natural promise and uses him far beyond those who give the greatest natural promise. Christian life is not to be lived in the realm of natural temperament and Christian work is not to be done in the power of natural endowment. But Christian life is to be lived in the realm of the spirit and Christian work is to be done in the power of the spirit. You hear that? He takes the one who has the nece, least natural gifting and he uses him supernaturally because he's not going out in the power of his humanity. He's going out in the power of the Holy Spirit, which enables, enables him to do far above what he could do in his natural abilities. And so Paul says. There's a variety of gifting. There's a variety of gifting. Which means you're all going to look a little bit different. You're all going to be gifted differently. In fact, we have... He he gives us a variety of gifts. He lists eight of them right here, right? In in our passage. And we'll get to that next week. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing... Affecting miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. So he, he lists us eight gifts here. You go to Romans, you get another list. You go to First Peter and he breaks them down. He says they're serving gifts. They're speaking gifts. And so he says... There's these gifts that are given to you and they are there's a variety of them. In other words, no one's going to look the same. Now, you'll go to these seminars and you'll have these churches and they'll break down. Here's a 21, you know, gifts of the spirit. And everybody goes through the list and tries to figure out who they are. But remember that the Holy Spirit gives to what he wants. And he doesn't give in these categories. These are more categories than than hard lines. And most of us have multiple gifting and are gifted in various ways. And so we all go there and we want to check boxes because it makes us feel good. But some of us are going to be, we're going to be mongrels. We're going to have a bunch of different gifts and it's going to look different for each person. And so we want to be careful that we don't try to break it down so technically that we don't recognize that that we're all going to serve in a different way. And so the idea then is this. There is unity in diversity in the church. There's unity and diversity, and we should recognize that the Holy Spirit is working in each person and and has gifted them in their way. So, first of all, your gifting should not be a point of contention. It's not something that you got, it's not something that somehow makes you superior to others, nor does your gifting make you inferior. It's been given to you by God. And so your gifting should never be something that ultimately pulls the church apart because you're unified by the Spirit who's giving you all the gifting and pushing the whole church in the same direction. And so he says, don't brag. You didn't earn it. You can't gain more. You can't take credit for them. You have to be satisfied with you, what with you are. You're not superior because you're gifting. And never should it bring division within the church. So Paul says, look, there's, there's diversity here. There's diversity in these giftings. They're going to look different. God gives them out as he sees fit to who he sees fit. And he says, this is, this is by One spirit but the same spirit, the same spirit is producing and giving these gifts out. Then he says, as he continues on with the same source, he says, but the same, and there are a variety of ministries and the same Lord, a variety of ministries and the same Lord. The idea here is this. Not only is everyone going to have the same gifting they're going to have a different way that they serve now this word is related to the word for deacon to serve and the idea is this there is going to be an allotted ministry for each one of you that is unique to you unique to you it'd be terrible if we all showed up here and we all had the same gifting right can you imagine If we all had the gift of preaching, right? There'd be a line up here, right? You'd be getting tapped on the shoulder. Move out. My turn, right? It's just like the body. Can you imagine if you're all feet? At least you'd still be able to smell, but you wouldn't, like we couldn't move around, right? You can't be all feet. The body can't function that way. And so the body is made to have various parts and various ministries, and so incumbent on this idea then is, is that gifts are meant to serve. Gifts are meant to serve. In other words, you're given a gift, but that's not enough. It's not enough just to be gifted. You're actually supposed to use it, and you're supposed to have a ministry, and you are supposed to be using this gift for, for, to serve others, to serve others. There are various ministries, again, lauded, lot of, but the same Lord. Same ministry, variety of ministries, but the same Lord. And now the second person of the Trinity is brought in, and Jesus Christ is mentioned, and it says that he is the one now who is what? Unifying the ministries within the church. But you're saying, but I thought... I thought, Pastor, I thought you just said the Holy Spirit did gifts. Now Jesus is saying, now it says that Jesus Lord here is, is now involved in this. What's going on? What's happening? Well, Ephesians tells us that Jesus, for the building up the saints, that they may do the work of the ministry, that, that, that Christ has given these gifts to the church for the building up of the ministry of the church. So what's going on? How, is it the Spirit or is it Jesus? And the answer to that is yes, right? Because all we remember, and we, we remember this: that all that one that w- I'll start again because maybe that should make sense, right? What one person of the Trinity, the whole Trinity, does, and we know this that the Holy Spirit is the effective agent that gives out the spiritual gifts according to his will, but who sends the Holy Spirit? The Son and the Father, right? He comes from the Son and the Father. Now, th- I also want you to put this in mind. God has one nature and one will right one nature one will so so what the holy spirit is doing is is what identical to what jesus christ wants to do they are working together in harmony because they have one will god is one nature one will and so what what the holy spirit does jesus does and jesus is is and an effectively Overseeing what is taking place within the church and its ministries. So he says there are a variety of ministries in the same Lord, second person of the Trinity. And so as we look at that, we have to say this. Everyone is gifted. Everyone is expected to be active with that gift. Everyone is expected to use their gifting. God has allotted it. So several things are going to go with that. Number one, you're going to have to be satisfied with the ministry that God gives you. Some of you are going to say, but I want something a little bit flashier. But God, if God has gifted you, then you need to be What? Satisfied with what you have. The ministry that He allows you to do, He has allotted to you, and so that should be where you serve. But there's a second part of this, and and this is where it gets in the sticky wicket. So you have to ask yourself: Am I actually exercising my gifts? Am I do I actually have Ministry? Do I have a service in the church? Do I actually, am I actually using my gifts to serve the church? Now, I'm going to get a little messy here, but I, I can't help myself. Ask yourself the question. If I left the church... What would be missing? I know there'd be a few who'd claim your pew right away, but that's not, that's not significant impact on the church. What would be missing? Right? What would be missing if you didn't, if you left the church? Would you leave a hole? Would there be hurt And how you answer that may tell you whether you're using your gifting. Because if you're using your gifting, then when you leave, the body will suffer. People will notice. Because you have a unique gifting that only you can perform, and when you're gone, it hurts. I don't care if you're the little toe. Cut your little toe off, it hurts. And so we need to be using our and our gifting in ministry to serve others in the church. And if you're not using your gifting right now, then the body is suffering because there is no one who's been allotted and given the service that you have. And so you need to start to serve. You need to step up. You need to be one who now... Recognizes that you've been given gifting and a ministry, and you have a stewardship that you will be responsible before God. You are a steward of that gift. And if you do not use that gifting, then you will stand before God and you will give an account for your gifting. You may Suffer loss of reward, and maybe you won't hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Maybe you'll just hear. You're in. Right. Second Corinthians five ten. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deed in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We must. Recognize, we will give an account for the stewardship that God has given to us. We won't be judged. We won't be sent to hell, but we will stand before him and give an account. So are you using your gift? You say, well, pastor, I don't know what my gifting is. That indicates maybe there's been a lack of to some degree, we have to say, have we actually been faithful in trying to figure it out? And have we been active in service? And you will find the things serving in the church. You're gonna, you're gonna, do, you're gonna try a few things and all of a sudden, you're going to fi- find something that the light bulb comes on. You're gonna say, this is where I belong, right? I went to the hospital, I visited people there and things were great. They were encouraged. I loved it, right? If you go there, they cry. Don't go back. Find a different one, right? So, so, so and we're going to find we're going to find a spirit energized service that we enjoy, right? You're going to get up, man. I'm, I'm a teacher. You're going to get up and teach, and they're going to go, no, 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 no. Sit down. Take take them at their word, right? Take them at their word. Try something else. But God will give you. He will give you a ministry. Come to church to serve, right? That's what we're called to do. That's why we, we gather. We, we gather around the word of God. We, ga- we gather to exercise our gifts. We exercise them in community. Well, Paul says there's a unified source again in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one. He's the one who sets all that up. And then he says this. There's a, there are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. And again, now he finishes the Trinity up. He says, but the same God. Right? God the Father who works all things in all persons. Now, just so you don't think he's universal. Univer, whoa. Whoa making a universal universal statement here. He is saying this. He's speaking of all those who have the spirit, all those who have spiritual gifts. He's working in them, all things. He's the one who's producing it. He says this, there are, are a variety of effects, variety of effects. What does he mean by that? In other words, he's saying this, there are a variety of results. There are a variety of results. God energizes those gifts. He en- he gives you the gifts. He, he gives you a-, a distribution and a ministry to use those effects, those gifts. And now he says, guess what? I'm going to give you the results. In other words, God controls the results. So number one principle that we can just take right off of there. God is not going to judge you on your results. He's going to judge you on your faithfulness of using your gift, right? He controls the outcome. He controls the outcome. And so when we use our gifts, we need to recognize that if, if we are faithful to use our gifts as he is intended, that the results need to be left in his hands. And we need to stop measuring our success by results, but by faithfulness. And so, yes, there are going to be people who come along and we teach and we've got three people in our class and two of them are asleep. I shouldn't go over fundamentals of the faith again. And then th- there is another guy who's going to come along and he's going to open it up and, and, and people are going to flock. And we go like, oh man, that's, that's not fair, right? No, that's the way God has designed it. God has not only designed the gifting, he's not only designed the ministry, but he's designed the result. And so we have to be resigned to the fact that he controls the outcome, not us. I think I got four R's in there. That's pretty good. So he says, listen, this, this, these, the results are in God's hands. He's the one who produces the fruit that comes from the use of the spiritual gifts. And so we must recognize that we cannot control the outcome. So we need to stop trying and we need to be happy with the results that we have. And we need to be joyful for those that God is using in various ways, because we know that God has allotted that to them. And he is the one who's producing the fruit. He's the one who continues to give the effects. And understand this. Bottom to top, top to bottom, this is all God, right? he gives the gifts he energizes the he gives a ministry and he creates the result so it should be no surprise that God gets all the glory because he is the one who is energizing it all he does it all and we are simply his means by which he performs what he chooses so paul says Here's the unified source. Unified results. You guys want to fight over who's the best teacher. You want to fight over whose ministry is most effective. You want to fight over. He says, don't bother. All of this has been given by God. God is the one controlling all of this. How can you be divisive? How can you be standing up and saying, look at me? I'm special. They're not special. Because God ultimately is doing all of this variety and he is the one who's producing it all and so we would just simply conclude with this none of you none of god's children are replaceable none of you are replaceable god has gifted you uniquely he has gifted you with unique ministry and unique results. No one has your exact gifting. No one has your exact ministry. And no one else has, will have the results or be able to fulfill the ministry that God has given you. And so we must, we must be obedient to use the gifts that God has called us to. For his glory. Well Paul. Really comes to the end here. As he's pointed. To the unity. That comes. That unified source. And he really speaks about the same goal. In other words this is all pointing in the same direction. He says but to each one. Is given the manifestation of the spirit. For the common good. Now it's very interesting. Interesting. Because I have read this verse for, how old am I? 40? Okay, 56 years. And I have never seen this before. But as Paul starts this, he says, But to each one, this is the primary point that he's making in this verse. I have always gone to the end of the verse and said, he's been given each one a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And I I have pounded the, you know, for the common good. Well, I think point number two, when we were talking about the variety of ministries and that that it was service would indicate that it is what? For everyone. But his emphasis in this verse is actually on the each one. Which is interesting. And Paul is saying. Just so you know. Every single believer has gifts. Just in case you thought that he was talking to the church at all at large. And and everybody else. The idea is that each one has this. But each one. And he says to the Corinthians, look, you've been fighting over things, and you've been you've been searching for special gifting, and you've been thinking some people are special, and you've been thirsting after sign gifts, and you've been making divisions in the body over these things. And he says, But actually, it's each one. How can there be this unity. How can you be causing trouble over spiritual gifts when you recognize it's not the super Christian? There's no super Christians. They're not some super expression of this. Everyone has this. Everyone. And then he says, everyone is given a manifestation of the spirit. What does he mean by manifestation of the spirit? I thought it was a gift. Well, the reality is manifestation means to make known. And he says, every time that you exercise a spiritual gift, it's a demonstration that the Holy Spirit is working in you. You are manifesting the Holy Spirit. You're manifesting that gift. You are demonstrating that the Holy Spirit is working in you. And again he points back to the Holy Spirit. he points back to the spirit and the energizing force that's behind the gifting. each one of you is given this each one has a manifestation of the spirit that you that spirit that is empowering all gifts and should be the unifying direction for the church and just so you're you don't go off and think, well, I'm special. He says, for the common good, <laughs> for the common good. In other words, the idea there is, the word has the idea of, of being, bringing together, all together. In other words, for the, com- the profit of the common good for everybody when we get together. And again, there's an expression here that if, it's, if the idea is, is coming together, is the idea that the gifts are primarily exercised in community. In community. In other words, your gift, it wasn't made for you. Right? Now you've heard this. I can exercise my gift. I think you know which one I'm talking about. In my closet. Right? I speak in tongues in my closet. Really? In, in, in the language of angels. Really? Really? For the common good of who? You. Well, that doesn't mesh with what the scripture says. It's for the what common good? Of everyone. There is no such thing as a private spiritual gift. It must be displayed publicly. It's not for you. It's not for the building up of you. It's for the building up of the body. No private spiritual gifts. It's for the common good. That's where it's exercised. So Paul says, spiritual gifts, they're exercise and the results are in God's hands. They come from him. They're energized by him. They're supernatural. They're not something that's produced by the flesh. You can't work it up. You can't make yourself put yourself into a trance. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that works. And it's given every believer has it. Demonstrates the Holy Spirit is truly working. And it's for the building up of the body. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your word. We thank you for this word on on spiritual gifts. I pray that we would recognize our need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be obedient, and to use our gifting, and to leave the results to you. Lord, I pray that you would make us a church that manifests the Holy Spirit and demonstrates it by our service to one another. For your glory, I pray. Amen.